Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about film, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Colin McCormick. I'm Elijah Fleming. And I'm Christy Vogler. And today we're back with another special segment of our new thing, special sequence series, limited edition, whatever you want to call it, Extremely Strained and Incredibly Forced, the show where we search for meaning and connection where maybe there isn't any. Uh, It's a new thing we're trying out, uh, but basically we bring in guests to pitch us their receptions and hot takes and whatever is sort of in their brains at the moment. Uh, And today we're joined by a wonderful new guest, uh, Max Paul, joining us from Earlham College. Welcome, Max. Really excited to have you on the show. Excited to be here. No one told me that it was called Extremely Strained and Incredibly Forced. (laughs) Did I not mention that in the email? (laughs) I don't think we did, but I'm here for it. It Sounds amazing. That's good. As long as, well, I mean, the show, the the other premise is that it's uh, kind of a who gotcha, you know, moment where we we lead them in and the hidden cameras are like, ah, we'll be great and surprised. Um, But yeah, so Max, you're, you've got, you, you had, you were one of our first respondents, I think. um, And you had a very specific take about, well, I won't say more, actually. I'll let you sort of do the talking. Wow. Okay, sure. Yeah, excellent. So, and you should all feel free to just stop me at any point if I mention a, a thing that you're like, mm, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, oh, and we will also, FYI, we are also the reception police. So if you say something out of the line, the <laughs> sirens go off and the reception Great. police come and take you to jail. <laughs> this is every graduate student's nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be the nice reviewer because I've seen one episode. Oh, good. I'm the student that did not do their homework for this assignment. So. No, that's cool. <laughs> like right. said, okay. So my basic premise is that The Walking Dead is like a, a remake of an adaptation of Virgil's Aeneid, which is sort of the the major Roman epic that we've got. So quick show of hands. Uh, how many of you have like actually read the Aeneid? Hey. I mean, we're, 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 we're raising our hands. Hey, <laughs> excellent. We got three for three. <laughs> I'm, I'm teaching the in a, in a couple of weeks. Fantastic. We won't assume the audience is like really up on their Roman epics though. So we'll we'll hit mm-hmm. like some basic summary here. But yeah, so we'll start big and then we'll go small. But my basic okay. idea here is that the first half of the Aeneid is Virgil riffing on Homer where he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to have my hero, Aeneas. He's going to leave the destruction of his whole world. He's going to leave the fall of Troy. Um and he's going to try to sail around the Mediterranean, desperately searching for home, someplace that he and everyone who has survived the collapse of Troy can just like go and live. But, you know, there are hostile Greeks everywhere. So for the first six books of this 12-book epic, it is Aeneas and his crew being like, all right, cool, can we, can we live in Thrace? Can we stop our search for home and just live in Thrace. You're like, now nah, Thrace is weird. There's a guy who's been turned into a bush and it's bleeding. We can't stay there. All right, next, we'll go to Delos. How about that? Like, you can't stay in Delos. Here's an oracle, but you can't stay here. All right, how about we can go to Crete? Like, all right, Crete looked good. Crete looked really good. They stopped. They're like, all right, we're going to establish laws. We're going to start farming. And then plague hits. All right, we can't stay in Crete. That's no good. They go to several other places. We got a harpies in this place. We got cyclopes over here. We just, none of this works. Finally, they make their way to North Africa and they're like, thank God there's a city. We can, it's just here. We can hang out in the North African city of Carthage and just be cool for a while. And of course that doesn't work either. 
and eventually they have to make their way to Italy. Fine. So that is that's the first half of the Aeneid for those of us who haven't just read it recently. And that's also The Walking Dead seasons one through five. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> so. Instead of the Trojan War, you've got a zombie outbreak. Fine. Uh, and instead of like a citizen soldier that is Aeneas, you've got the closest modern approximation, which is a police officer in Rick Grimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to put a pin in that. I want to circle back around to that. For uh-huh, sure. That's fine. Continue, that's fine. Aeneas the cop. Aeneas yeah. the cop. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the first five seasons is just the the zombies survivor crew being like, all right, can we live in a convoy of cars? No, you cannot live in just a trailer. That's not going to work. All right, we'll go to a farm. Is the farm mm-hmm. going to work? No, the farm is not going to work. The farm almost stops the show dead in its tracks. Yeah. Let's let's maybe go to a jail. And like, all right, neat. We got a jail. The jail is awesome. The jail does not work for a couple of reasons. But just like when they were when he had Aeneas and his crew on Crete, they're like, all right, we can farm. We we mm-hmm. watch we watch zombie apocalypse survivors farm and raise pigs, and then disease breaks out. And they're like, oh, I guess I guess this isn't going to work. We also get the enemy, right? The the other town of Woodbury, led by the the evil governor. They mm-hmm. stage like another sort of Trojan War because they besiege the jail, and then mm-hmm. they send in a Trojan horse style bread truck to breach the walls. And instead of Greeks coming out of this Trojan horse, it's zombies. So definitely a callback to the Trojan War. There, I will hear nothing <laughs> yeah. against it. Um, <laughs> Also, the, the faint sound of sirens I hear. Yeah, look, look. <laughs> it's fine. It's completely sound. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got uh, a nod to the Cyclops because the governor of Woodbury loses an eye and wanders around with an eye patch, just like Big Dan Teague in yeah. um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Is a clear <laughs> nod to the Cyclops. And then we end up finally in the the small walled city that looks like it could be home this one named alexandria another north african city that seems like it could offer respite to our folks so that is that is the big over like yeah the overarching theme of what's going on here um after that so after we've closed off sort of the odyssean half of the aeneid then it flips over into the iliad when it's just warfare constantly. Uh, and I will admit, I've stopped watching after like season seven. But, and it's, we're, I think we're wrapping season 11 now. But as far as I can, right, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. I kind of wanted to be like, wait, did you guys make 12 episodes? Did you do 12 episodes? Like 12 books of the Aeneid? Is this the thing shy, you did? Uh, uh-huh. And then we, we can we can count the spinoff series as one. And so there's Ooh, your, okay. Yeah. Done. So that's your That's your Ovid. Uh, no, that's but, like your Homeric hymns almost, right? No. They have like little like mini storylines and they're kind of aimed at different like groups, right? There's like a whole YA one, right? Where it's like a bunch of teenagers that are all just like kicking oh, about. I Maybe, that. I don't know. Completely <laughs> I've really that. lost track of all of the, the spin It seems like there are a lot. Uh, but my baseless claim is that it starts to look a lot like the Iliadic half when essentially you've got Aeneas versus Turnus. Um, and you're just dealing with different warring factions. I want to say the advertisement for either season eight or season nine was essentially Rick Grimes versus Negan. And it was like, it's all out war. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is the Iliadic half of the Aeneid. I don't need to watch this. Like, one of you is going to die. It's going to be fun. 
Um, who's to say? I don't know. I have not watched. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I yeah. Interestingly enough, I and I read a lot of spoilers. I have only watched season one of The Walking Dead, but I read quite a lot of spoilers. And mm. I know that Rick Grimes dies or appears to die. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And that he actually has a moment where he could kill Negan, but doesn't. Yeah, fascinating. So he like makes makes the choice that it, that Aeneas mm. does not, and Aeneas, you know, famously has this like yeah. rage, and he kills Turnus at the end. So I think, yeah, spoilers. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm way into spoilers like, here. This all yeah. sounds plausible. I don't. I, <laughs> what's the white stag? What is the white stag yeah. of the story that yeah. starts the battle? Yeah, right. <laughs> This, I want to just even take a step back because so we actually a little, it just came out, but we've, we've had, this is the, the second of two Aeneid reception works Ooh. we're fielding. Um, the first one being Moana, where the sort of initial <laughs> premise for that one is boats. That's kind of that our, our buy-in. And I love that for you, the buy-in is farming. Um, yeah. So we really come from, we, we've got the, it's the shield of Achilles, right? We've got the whole yeah. world. Um, no, but I, I, li- I like that it does. It almost like neatly divides down the middle, like you said, right? Or like you know, five books of five seasons of. Which yeah. also, yes, I yeah. also I, I haven't gotten past the governor. Uh, I was so I'm, I'm still in the prison. Sure, sure, sure. And we talked about this kind of a little bit. We can turn, but just like the, the larger theme of like finding a home in the wake of a disaster. And for in the ancient world, the disaster is usually destruction like war destruction mm-hmm. sacking of a city something yeah. like that and for yeah. the modern and i think this speaks to sort of where we're at in the world but like the modern destruction is not you know it's not like red dawn where like the russians or the or whoever it is like comes in and takes over the the destruction is an ecological one ecological slash epidemic sure yeah it's somewhere in there and then so a, a total yeah. societal collapse and then how do you find a home and wandering and all the the fake out homes and the inevitable conflict um, which is kind of the bread and butter of, I mean, of any good zombie story, the the zombies are, are never the villain, right? They're always more yeah. set dressing. Always my point. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like the the zombies become almost like a natural disaster. They are just some sort of inevitable thing that you have to deal with, mm-hmm. and it's always your fellow man that is the real mm-hmm. villain. Yes. Yes. And I think that is so like, you know, there's so many, um, you know, monsters and, you know, supernatural characters in different types of mythology and also in the Aeneid. And there are, you know, vengeful gods and all of that stuff. But like, ultimately, it's like people killing it's other people. people. Yeah. It's people. It's, 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 yeah. Even, and even for people. the sort of source material for Virgil, right? For Odysseus, like, yeah, there's Polyphemus, the Cyclops, there's Scylla, there's Charybdis, there's there's that thing. But really, the ultimate enemy for him is the suitors in his house, and it's kind of the same with Aeneid or Aeneas, where it's it's Turnus, right? Turnus is the big bad, the other, the other, you know, and the kind of it's the man who would be king because that's that's really what they're fighting for. It's who gets to marry Lavinia and be king of the Latins or right. or the Italians or, or whoever yeah. it is. Can we circle yeah. back to Aeneas as a cop? I just I, mean, I want yes. to dive in on this because I'm so intrigued. Mm-hmm. Say more. Um, I'm just trying to think of like like the the Homeric hero esque or the Virgilian hero, I guess, as this like character that is terribly flawed, mm. but that we still kind of root for. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I I'm like now trying to picture. <laughs> like Aeneas is like somebody in like Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is like a cop oh. that I would root for. Sure, <laughs> it's like sure. a very like comedic uh, turn of the character, and I 
I have never seen Aeneas like that. Now, now I'm trying to picture like a so like a comedic Aeneas. Oh yeah, comedic. I don't think a comedic Aeneas is there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean we could we could do it, but like you'd have to we'd have to work real hard. We'd have to work yeah. real hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot um, of baggage on that one. So yes. much baggage. So I wasn't I wasn't planning to to get into this because this is it's this okay. Is, we don't have to. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go. Okay. Let's yeah, we're, we're, leave it in. We don't edit anything out of this show. It's all <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so there's this great article that I don't have in front of me now, but it did this delightful analysis of The Walking Dead in terms of police officers. Mm-hmm. And I think this gets us at the duality of Aeneas that you all talk, you were talking about, where like, he's like this founder of Rome, but also like a deeply flawed character. Yes. And this article is like, all right, cool. The Walking Dead is doing this this sort of interesting amalgamation of zombie show plus Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tied yeah. in the Western with like just so many folks on horses riding around. And they're like, all right, the basic premise of a Western is that law has come into a lawless land. And mm. you're going to have a sheriff who is going mm-hmm. to tame this land that is chaotic and it needs right the the strong patriarchal hand that wields the law that's the western genre yeah but then there's zombie flicks which are generally like do not trust authority the right. police or the military or the government those are not your friends mm-hmm. and so you've got at the heart of the walking dead this this police officer and you're like wait is is rick bringing law do we want the law that rick is bringing mm, mm, right like mm. it is it is a really smart article cuz yeah i think i think it's when they get to alexandria where they kind of start setting up like yep redons the police uniform and it's about him but then it's like is he a policeman like we sort of want or is he just this kind of judge jury ex- is he a judge dread figure who's 100%. just out there executing people and yes. later, I think there's a there's a season where there are like there is a cop group. Uh, I think it's in season six, and there's like a, there's like these cops at a hospital um, who are like kidnapping people and and or not kidnapping, but they're they're running this sort of there's a there's a struggle I between vaguely Rick and remember cops. this. Yes, but yeah, one thing was like my sort of the the analogy I think Eli that's like we're kind of getting at is like the sort of ancient analogy to the cop for. The Homeric world is is the king, right? Somebody who brings the law, enforces mm-hmm. the law, enacts the law, right? And that's what Aeneas is, sort of is. He's he's a king, but the other thing is kings are sort of one way in, in Homer, but in, uh, between Homer and Virgil, there's a whole long tradition of people basically in one way, shape, or form asking, are kings a good idea? And usually that answer ends up being no. <laughs> the Romans themselves have a sort of pretty negative view towards kings, or they, they will at least right. adopt a king in all but name. Well, interesting then that this is the time period Virgil is writing in is, mm-hmm. you know, a very Augustan time period, which is, yeah. you know, is it propagandistic? Is it, is it the whole kind slightly of dissing? Yeah. Yeah. And the whole like kind of flavor for a lot of like Roman writers meditating on Augustus and his progeny is like, I mean, I'm thinking particularly of, of the historian Tacitus who says something to the effect that like, Yes, we were giving up our freedom, but everybody was just so tired of the chaos that came before Augustus, you know, 100 years of civil war, give or take, mm-hmm. insecurity, political infighting, just kind of, you know, the calendar was a month out of date. Like, it was just <laughs> nuts. Dogs yeah. and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> mass hysteria. <laughs> and everybody was just so tired of all that that they would accept 
uh, a tyrant, basically, or, or Augustus, who's more or less fine, but then he's his weirdo nephews and and their you know children who are get odder and odder and odder and, and a little more wild. Uh, and and that's again, I think that's like that's the case with characters like the governor or Negan, where like how much freedom and autonomy are we willing to sacrifice to have stability and sort of safety from whatever chaos, war, plague, famine, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's something else too, like going back to Homer and kings, it's like to be a hero is actually just to be a king. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting that that comes down to us questioning it today, right? That heroes have a very different connotation, a, an idea for us of self-sacrifice on the behalf of the good for all. But like it was inherently about nobility before and that you because of your nobility are capable of bringing those things, but it's not through a moral, like individual. Uh You just had a cool dad. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, You won the genetic lottery. Yeah. That or like Zeus got, you know, some ideas in his head and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Curious about this, not just like Kings and leaders and police, but this, this concept of a hero in general, because Mm -hmm. As I understand it, of the one episode I've seen, Rick is also the protagonist, or maybe the anti-hero yeah. might be For most more... of the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, how how does that also complicate our idea of a hero and Aeneas as a hero? Because we are always complaining that these heroes are not actually that heroic. Yeah. So this this totally gets picked up in the conclusion of season five. I had a list of things we we're going to go through, and we we're just jumping all over around it. That's totally fine. Great. No, yes, that's season how we do. We're like, it's like Aeneas in the Mediterranean. We're not going to go right to Italy. <laughs> no, we got to go. We got to stop no. around and see some yeah. places first. Yeah. So there's, there is a character named Morgan um, and he has hung out with, with Rick in like season one. And by season five, Rick has seen some things like he is a changed dude, but we have not really like caught up with Morgan for a while. And this is a, this is a character that sort of saw like Rick as he was first realizing mm-hmm. oh god zombies so later when morgan sees rick again like we get to see rick sort of through fresh eyes and be like oh buddy this is this is what you've become and the moment that happens is when this is again season finale there is question of whether rick should be allowed to remain in this closed community of alexandria because it turns out his crew are pretty violent they have openly discussed just like taking the community for themselves and murdering anyone who gets in their way because they're they have been living right out in the wilderness murdering zombies left and right and they're like yeah yeah, yeah. now if we need this place we were just gonna take it and through an odd series of events um the leader's husband so deanna's husband ends up getting killed by some dissatisfied um, resident of Alexandria, as everyone is watching, it's horrific. And or your leader, Deanna, is essentially like she looks at Rick and is just like, kill him, put him down, uh, because mm-hmm. no one else in her community is a murderer. <laughs> um, and so Rick is just covered in blood at this point and murders a guy in cold blood right as again character from season one sees him and you're like oh buddy like you have you have definitely gone way too far and in my mind this is very much an aeneas turnus moment where Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you're specifically like embodying wrath and sort of righteous fury that's maybe not totally a good thing or something we want Rick slash Aeneas to have. And I think introducing that character again, to have you be like, hmm, Mm, okay, this is what he is seeing. This is how mm-hmm. we are now supposed to be seeing Rick's transformation. And yeah, is this is this the hero we want? Like, no, mm-hmm. I think you might be the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a classic hero myth conundrum, right? Of like a guy like Heracles or Odysseus are incredibly yeah. useful when you need a monster killed or a city sacked or something like that. But these guys, the things that make them so good at what they do, their violence, their schemes their their ruthlessness and then you know when they come home it sits ill with them or they they can't really fit in super well because i mean one of the central problem with the end of the odyssey is odysseus has come on and he's murdered the entire like a generation of nobility on his island um which is not something that can like you know this aggression cannot stand man uh it's very undue of him and but yeah Yeah. like and it's like these these men particularly usually men have a sort of function in conflict, but then when they are rendered functionless, they sort of end up turning against the sort of society or they become a liability themselves. Uh, I'm trying to think of an apt, a more apt analogy, but I was, I was like sort of, I'm, I'm shoehorning in something, but I was at a conference and I was giving a paper about werewolves and I was kind of talking about werewolves are sort of this. They're like when the man goes feral, right. Or like, Plato talks about like when the tyrant, when the the leader gets a thirst for blood and he starts killing his own people, then he turns into a tyrant and he makes an analogy. It's like when people eat human flesh and then turn into wolves, the man into, I don't want to say animal, but sort of alternate, you know, the dark half. I've gone off the rails, but that also I'll I'll yield, I'll yield the floor. No, I feel like this is also a really interesting like comment on trauma in itself, Mm. especially like coming maybe even back to like Virgil himself, who like probably saw a lot of things in his life and, you know, had probably a lot of trauma from all the violence that he witnessed living in a very, you know, tumultuous time and thinking about Aeneas and all of the trauma that this character has gone through and just sort of the trauma of the Roman state coming out of civil war, like witnessed so many terrible things and then you think about like how how are people supposed to you know survive the zombie apocalypse are we is there anybody who like you know get makes that makes it through who can survive without like becoming a little bit of a monster themselves it's like is this just what trauma is doing to us is there is there an escape from this end to the story building off that because virgil i think mentions that bef- he Aeneas has a moment where he considers showing mercy to Turnus, but then he sees, I can't remember, it was a shield or something belonging it's a, to yeah, it's his belt. belt. Yeah. It's his the belt. belt. Yeah, <laughs> of one of his comrades that he cared about and saw it and it just, that's the moment that enrages him. But that's also the moment that we are reminded that at the end of the day, like this is supposedly a Roman origin story and yet he's not Roman and mm-hmm. he gives that away through his failure to actually show mercy because the Roman thing to do would have been to restrain your anger, show mercy and be the better person. To spare the conquered as it were. Yeah. I will use, sorry, I will use that as a delightful segue into other classical illusions in, um, just a, there are a few things you're like, someone is thinking about classics for whatever reason. 
Uh, but right, so in the Aeneid, when Anchises is like, all right, um, son, let me tell you like what the next generation of Romans is going to be like, he, he obviously, he gives the famous line that Romans are supposed to spare the conquered and vanquish the proud. And there is a sign on the Alexandria safe zone uh, that says, mercy for the lost, vengeance for the plunderers. It's it's feels, right? It's so good. You're like, <laughs> I feel so like good. I feel like you've been reading your Aeneid. Yeah, um, is, yeah. <laughs> if not, then like it's still a badass line. Congratulations, well done. Mm-hmm. Just that was just one of those things. Yeah, yeah. I remember what I was going to say, which is to Eli's point about the people. Like, right? Is is this kind of traumatic experience like ultimately kind of destructive to to everybody who, who touches it? Because in the show, the show seems to kind of I think affirm that conclusion because there's a character i forget her name but she's kind of she's training to be a doctor or something and like that and you know a more sort of holistic or positive and and there's she's not the only one who has an arc sort of like this but that they are sort of violent suddenly and violently killed off in a sort of freak moment right and like the characters that try to not be violent murderers end up suffering yeah and i think also like the character carol is kind of like this where she goes from a sort of a more passive or, or meek or submissive character to one of the sort of bloodthirstier characters yeah. in the main cast. Born again hard. And she lives, yeah. Uh, so speaking actually of Anchises's prophecy and the idea of, you know, the the message for is there's another element we haven't touched on yet, which I'm, I'm sort of surprised, which is the notion of, of father-son dynamics. Oh, that was number two. Yes. Oh, just, yeah. As I said, we've been sailing all over the Mediterranean. Beautiful. Then I'll, I'll, I'll cede the floor and you can take it away if you've got it. Sure. So the, the, the second point <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that Rick and Aeneas are both family men. 100%. They're defined by their family, right? I mean, we frequently tell students, right? Like you can spot an Aeneas statue across the room because mm-hmm. he's the guy carrying dad and bringing his son along. So Rick... Doesn't have a father figure. Sorry, doesn't have a father, but gets Herschel, the old man, um, as a father figure once they go to the jail. Like he gives him fatherly advice, talks about like how to be a dad. Uh, and just like Anchises, who was paralyzed and couldn't walk, Herschel loses his leg and has to walk around with crutches. Don't put any sirens there. That's definitely a tight connection on an old man who can't walk. <laughs> Totally fine. Also, Aeneas's first wife, Creusa, dies, like, mm-hmm. you know, 400 lines into the poem. Um, <laughs> yeah. Off screen. But he then, Aeneas then sees her as a ghost. Rick's wife dies, and he sees her as a ghost multiple mm-hmm. times. She does not tell him that, like, oh, it's fine, honey, you need to go, <laughs> go marry another princess. <laughs> but still, she does show up as a ghost. Uh, and of course... The relationship between Aeneas and his son Ascanius is kind of central to the Aeneid, as Ascanius is obviously sort of going to carry on the the torch, the family line, just as Rick needs to be looking after his young son, Carl. Um, we've just, <laughs> we've <laughs> got this the same family structure, um, very much centered on, yeah, Rick as father figure, Aeneas as father figure, uh, guiding the kiddo through the world. Yes. Colin, do you want to yeah. jump in on that? Be like, you missed these two. No, terms. I would say the other, again, kind of maybe the, this is where I, I see a diversion or a die. Yeah. I, I, where the sort of, again, the Aeneid, 
for all of its kind of the the hedging or not hedging or the uh, the way it, a little it kind of pokes holes a little bit in maybe the idea of Roman sort of supremacy is that that at the end it is kind of affirming to Ascanius does get to found the line that is going yeah. to be the the Romans and eventually you know Julius Caesar and Augustus and all those guys and but but in The Walking Dead spoilers for for those who haven't who don't know but but that that is sort of cut away that you know it's cut out from under Rick. So Carl doesn't make it. Wait, when does Carl die? When does Carl it, die? I want to say it's in season seven or eight. I think. <sighs> I mean, there's never another baby though. Yeah, there is a baby. There's also there is a baby that that I, oh. as far as I know does live. So the See, thesis is not necessarily <laughs> destroyed. No. Wait, isn't the baby's name like Juliet or Julia or something? Which mm, would be that would be really? incredible. Incredible, because the other Incredible. name for Ascanius, of course, is Eulis, Yeah, which would be really, really funny. It's yes. Judith. Judith. Ah, okay, oh, I was so close. Oh. <laughs> all right, and she all right. and she also she she might be Shane's daughter. I think. Or... I think she is Shane's daughter. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So I guess it's not technically <laughs> Rick's daughter. You know what? Oh, right. That's right. That's right. The other kid. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what? Romans love adopting. It's fine. That's it's true. Totally it's fine. so true. Yeah, no, I mean, Augustus, he was adopted. Adoption mm-hmm. is great. Adoption mm-hmm. is great. Le- yeah. In a legal sense. Yeah. Totes <laughs> fine. Totes fine. It's fine. I, so I know we talked about the zombies being, you know, not the main antagonists. They're more of a environmental, natural disaster, like obstacle that you're constantly contending with that's bringing out the worst in humanity. But I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, there are some storylines about a sort of intelligence returning to some of the zombies and that they become more organized. My knowledge of it is that there are people who can control the zombies. Mm. So they don't like come back into intelligence. They are just controlled by certain people. Mm hmm. Maybe yeah. I, have, so, I have not. Seen I was that. curious if that brings in a supernatural element into our story, since we haven't really had a chance to talk about the roles yeah. that the gods play in Aeneas's story as well. Oof. And could the zombies function in that way, or do you see different characters functioning in that manner? Of I've got a passing thought, but it's it's not it's it's half baked. My question was half baked, so half at. Cool. So, but but the, well, there is a priest character, which leads me to my other passing observation. Mm-hmm. Which is, there's a lot of uh, cast members from The Wire in this show. <laughs> the priest, I, the priest immediately jumped out to me because he's Carver. But but there's a priest character who's kind of uh, he's sort of the worst. Like he's there's always something shady he's doing. He's kind of feckless. Yeah, as a spiritual leader, there's much to be desired with him. Uh, and so I think maybe there's a, a general like if the show is a, more on the nihilistic or pessimistic side of things. A abandonment of religion seems mm-hmm. to be in, or like you know, that religious leaders are no good, or yeah. uh, you know, spiritual leaders are no good. That seems consistent with the general sort of themes of the show. Yeah, and but but in the but on the flip side, the the Aeneid is by you know the main driving force is Aeneas's piety, and I guess this is a yeah. a, a big distinction. I guess that you could see between Rick and Aeneas because whereas Rick's to me seems to have sort of lost faith, sort of construed broadly however you want to define that. It's the faith that pushes Aeneas to the point even to things that Aeneas doesn't want to do. When, you know, he doesn't want to leave Carthage and leave Dido, it's the gods that have to come down and say, like, you got to leave, you got to give Ascanius his kingdom. It's piety. You know, Aeneas, in some ways, yeah. he's sort of driven by his piety, almost a sort of reluctant hero. But I don't, I'm not sure how this this maps on to, to Rick or anyone else in the in the show necessarily. 
Yeah, I don't have an easy answer. Great question, Christy, but I don't have a. I don't have. Gods make things messy, as we've learned Mm -hmm. in our media analysis of a lot of shows. Let's just take just take them out. Just do the. Mm -hmm. Oh God, what was the who directed Troy with Brad Pitt? Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Just just take them out. It's fine. Take them out. Right, like it's just going to complicate things. Which at least religion was still a component. Like there was still a belief that the gods were guiding people. One hundred percent. And yeah, I, I think it's a fundamental. At the end of the day, also like for all the parallels that we are finding between these shows, like we are, they are the products of different cultures and settings mm-hmm. and times, and like our relationship to religion and faith has changed tremendously in the last two thousand years for all sorts of reasons we can get into, but let's not. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and the way uh, the way you know the the role of piety, particularly in for Virgil when Augustus is one of Augustus's main kind of like platforms, such as it is, was a rest restoration of Roman religion and like, let's get back to the good old days and get the temples back up and reestablish the priesthoods and get that we've lost the faith. Now, I think in particular, I guess, well, this show sort of debuted in what, 2010, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. As America, I think increasingly yeah. becomes more, I guess I'll say at least divided over matters of faith and religion, sure. Sure. Um, yeah. if not more sort of secular or cynical about it at least in popular media. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's another sort of like reason why we're sort of casting Rick as, uh, as the cop or the sheriff is like this sort of, at least in image, a return to the, like this middle America, middle (sighs) white America picket fence goodness that, Oh, of course it's the cop. (laughs) Of course (laughs) the symbol of, you know, it's all good. (laughs) Um, which like whether or not that's what he's actually, you know, trying to promote. It's, it's not, it's like the symbol of it all. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think he's a complicated character, as we've talked about, though. I So the show starts in 2010. But I mean, obviously, this is based on a graphic novel. Right. I, don't, yeah. I don't know That's when true. the novel started. But I yeah, always I mean, forget I, that it's a right? graphic novel. Yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. it's not it's not same same. They, they're definitely uh, diversions. Yeah. The the comics started in 2003, so okay. uh, just shy of a decade prior okay. to the um, – uh, yeah. and, and it, the show does follow the comics fairly closely. They change some big things, but it's it's fairly it, – in its broader strokes, it's yeah. of, okay. they're of a piece, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I ask about a Dido figure? Do we think oh, we I have, have- – Yes. A Dido figure. This is part number three. Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> so when they go to Alexandria, this walled city, it's it's run by a former congresswoman named Deanna. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's Dido. She's Dido one hundred percent. Now <laughs> there's there's not there's not any sort of sexual tension between her and Rick, but Rick does find another woman there to hook up with, right? So we do have a romantic dalliance in the walled city. Deanna at one point writes in Latin. (laughs) Like she's just, she's making a notation on some map and drops some Ovid, Dolor Hic to be prodrit olim. That's, this pain will will be useful to you. I don't know, at some point. You're like, okay, thanks for writing that, Deanna. Yeah, so she she is very much our Dido figure. Um, she does not end up killing herself, but does end up sacrificing herself, right? So you can, it's, it's not a great connection, but Dido can't live and neither can Deanna. Right. Yeah. Right. And nor can they stay in the yeah. walled city of Alexandria, right? It's yeah. ultimately not. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ah, oh, that's so, mm-hmm. cool. I yeah, like it. so cool. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> um, 
I had another question, I guess, which I guess is sort of the we're getting a little bit about beyond our like my familiarity with with the show, but the the figure of like we we've talked a lot about sort of the the Odyssey half, the books one yeah, through yeah. six, and I guess we've mentioned him, but like the Turnus analogy, which I assume is is Negan. Yeah, that's my assumption. Yeah, you know, as the the antithesis, you know, the 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 Nega Aeneid or mm-hmm. Aeneas, I keep doing that, but yeah, like as the sort of rival king or or the the other sort of uh, and as in, and leading a sort of sort of fanatical band of of warriors because negan's sort of he's he's running a you know part town part cult yeah um, right, part right. prison i guess <laughs> and aren't his followers called like the saviors saviors yeah and yeah. then there's the saviors then there's another faction called the kingdom that's kind of like I right. he, that's I think kind of like the Evander, like the Greek allies oh, that Aeneas sure, sure. has. Yeah. Okay, so, so, a big a big part of the later seasons are about Aeneas or not Aeneas about Rick. Like they're trying to forge alliances with, with various sort of groups. And there's another yeah. group called the Knights too. I think it's one hundred percent the Aeneid, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I'm yeah. glad and they're trying called Rick Aeneas because sold like that. I'm pointing <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already bought in. Um, but yet, where they it's about sort of getting enough allies in order to take out. Negan um, and defeat his sort of group of, of radicals and also largely motivated by the death of a comrade where Negan is again, spoilers, but his claim to fame was he, he kills poor Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very famously, which is, you know, <laughs> uh, but yet again, where we diverge, Negan is allowed to live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. perhaps like, you know, mistakenly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I haven't seen these seasons, but I, I, I read about them. And it's like, you know, they have a lot of questions about like, should we have allowed this person to live? And wouldn't have it have just been better if we just killed this mm-hmm. person? And which I, again, I think like pulls back to that violence, right? Of like, when is it, you know, who are we now that we can just, you know, execute people and just kill people? Yeah. And what are mm-hmm. we as a society that judge um, and execution? So this yeah. raises a, a question for the, for the group. Of, of the sort of thinking about back to the Aeneid, what would the Aeneid be like if Turnus lived at the end, right? I mean, it would be a fundamentally Ooh. different text, I imagine, yeah. but like, what would that look like? What do you do? What do you, what do you do with Turnus? This is what we call a stumper. <laughs> I guess it depends on if he's willing to give up his claim to Lavinia, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and all of this is tied to political alliance through marriage, and I mean, that's the question we have with Homer too, is like, or I'm um, not Homer, um, Odysseus, if he'd just shown up and just like, you know what, I'm still alive. So my claim still stands. Do you actually have to punish all of the suitors for assuming you were dead? Or is it actually make more textual sense to allow that generation of nobility to live and mm-hmm. cooperate with them? And if that's even possible. And I think it's yeah. I think it's interesting that the show decides to explore the possibility of not returning violence with violence mm-hmm. to see if you can break the cycle of the empire without end. And yeah, maybe they also just wanted a popular villain to still be a popular villain because capitalism. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's money in the bank, right? Well, <laughs> the other thing is just the, the reality of the show is sometimes characters leave because they get written off and they die. And it's, it's the kind of show where any character could die suddenly at any moment but then also just sometimes like actors have conflicts and like i think uh, andrew lincoln eventually sort of left the show because he was tired of living half the time in the, the united states and half the time with his family in the uk yeah but Let's just a quick check in check in max are you uh time i got a time check when do you need you to got five out? minutes yeah five minutes all right gr- yeah. great this is so this is i think a perfect opportunity for if, if any sort of closing thoughts for anything that you want to get out there uh that that you didn't yet i think we've hit 
all of the main points. There's there's one small thing that it's not even related to the Aeneid, but you classics nerds will still appreciate it. Um, at one point, Rick is debating what to do with someone they've killed. Uh, he was a bad person. And Rick goes, we don't bury killers inside the walls. Mm. Uh, wow. like Roman. <laughs> Indeed, it is either Roman or like we're channeling Creon from the Antigone, like any number of things. But just it, it's one of these moments where like, again, there is there is some classicist back there. He's like, yeah, yes. I will. Mm-hmm. I will get these ideas into the show. And they're like, mm, we will do this. You're like, OK, I love that. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much this is in the graphic novel or if this is someone in the writer's room, but God bless them, whoever they are. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's. That is it. Thank you all for you know coming around on this. Uh, what is it? Incredibly strained and thoroughly forced. Yeah. Yep. So. I'm convinced. I'm yeah. Thoroughly convinced. Yeah. You're safe from the reception police for another day. So um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Max, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Uh, if Absolutely. our listeners want to uh, read or see or hear more from you, uh, where can they do that? Honestly, the best and most embarrassing place is TikTok, where you can follow me at Prof Maxwell, because who doesn't want to see a 38-year-old white male professor talking about stuff (laughs) in three-minute chunks? But yep, that's me. That's me at Prof Maxwell. You are corrupting the youth in ways that we never will. (laughs) (laughs) My sister has sent me some of your TikToks, because she's like, you know classics. And I was like, I know him. (laughs) That's incredible. Incredible. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, as usual, uh, listeners, you can you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Follow us at, at Dig Movies and our, our website, uh, moviesvdig.com. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. And we'll be back soon with both more reviews as well as more forces and strains. Thank you again, Max. <laughs> and we'll see you around the bend. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.